0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I don't have a joke for you this morning. Um, I apologize for that. I was, I, somebody sent me a message, and I'm not going to reveal who the person was, but they sent me a message online and they said, Pastor, I love it when you open up with a joke. I just love it when you open up with a joke, you know. And I said, well, I tend to do that when I know the service might be a little bit heavy, when I know that the word might be a little bit challenging. I'll do that so that I can kind of soften the hearts of the people, and then I'll deliver the message. But I have one for you. (laughs) And this might go over your heads if you don't know my name. My name is Pastor Duke. What's my last name? Bacchus, yeah. So this morning I woke up and my Bacchus was hurting a little bit. (laughs) All right. If you ever leave a voicemail on my phone, I'll call you Bacchus, okay? (laughs) I can make fun of myself, amen? All right. That was good. Yeah, Sister Gloria's like, yes, yes, I like this. This is good. This is awesome. We serve a good God, amen? His love endures forever, church. I said we serve a good God and his love endures forever. We serve a powerful God. A powerful God, church. You know that he is undefeated in battle. He is undefeated in battle. He is undefeated in battle. Like I want us to get that into our mind. He holds in his right hand victory and dominion forevermore. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the righteous one and he is mighty to save. Amen. He is mighty to save. And so I want us to open up to the book of Psalms, chapter 107, and we're going to be there most of uh, the service this morning. Psalm 107, verse 1. And I want us to read this together. Psalm 107, verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. How many of you have been redeemed from the hand of the foe? How many of you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so if the Lord has ever shown you uh, love, I want you to testify by praising him this morning. Amen. If, come on. You can do better than that. If you've ever tasted of the goodness of God, I want you to testify for just a moment and give the Lord thanks and praise. Amen. If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, if you have tasted of the bread of heaven, if he has rescued you from your enemies, I want you to give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. He's good. I said he is good, church. He's good, man. I saw some of you actually just sit right through that. Oh, man. I pray the Lord drops a goodness bomb of his love on you this morning. It's a mystery to me sometimes when people refrain to praise. It's a mystery to me sometimes when people refrain to thank God. You want to know why? Because I know from where He's brought me from, I know from where He's rescued me from, I know from where the Savior has rescued me, church. If you would have known the amount of times that I have been on a deathbed. You'd be thanking God today that I'm standing here before you healed and whole before him. If you would only know, church, how many times the enemy tried to take me out when I was a kid. But the Lord put breath in my lungs and life in my body to be able to testify of his faithfulness and of his goodness. And the Lord has done the exact same thing for you today. He has done the exact same thing for you today. You are standing here because of the mercy of a living God, church. You are standing here right now because of the mercy of a living God. If you would have only known that I tried to take my life when I was a young man. You see, you don't know everything. So therefore, you don't know why I praise him the way that I praise him. if you only knew my past and if you only knew the lineage from which I come from. Drug addicts and thieves, people that were locked up in prison. That was the trajectory that I was on without Jesus. But I thank God that one beautiful day I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard the saving grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ that was spoken into my heart that said, I no longer had to be broken. I no longer had to be unworthy. I no longer had to live without a father. And I can know a heavenly father and his blood saved me, church. If you only knew. Oh, if you only knew, you would give him praise. You would give him glory. Because the God that we serve, church, he's not an absent father. I said, the God that you serve is not an absent father. He is the God of the universe. He is never late, church, and he never fails, church. He cannot forget. The Bible says never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. He will not turn his back on you. He will not turn his back on you. He loves you. He loves you so much. Psalm 8 verse 4 says this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Who are we to this God that that would, would do everything that he did? He sent his son as a living sacrifice. He sent his son to pay the price of the penalty of sin that every single one of us have committed. The Bible says it was because of our sins, church, that he was nailed to the cross. And without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission for sin. There would be no forgiveness of sin. But so it was because of our life. It was because of our waywardness. It was because we were born into sin and we fall short of the glory of God, church, that he gave his life for us. So what are we that the God of this universe would be mindful of us? That he would be mindful of you? That he could look through thousands of generations of mankind and he could pick you out by name? Oh, Jesus. He could call you out by name, church. The Bible says, even before you were formed in the womb of your mother. Even before you were formed in the womb of your mother, he knew your name. Everybody say, he knows my name. He knows your name, church. He knows your name. Who are we that you care for us, Lord? Isaiah forty six and four says, "Even to your old age and gray hairs." Now I know not everybody in here's got gray hairs. Some of you are just lying. Also, got a little extra thing going on up there. I I have wisdom only in this part, mainly right here. I'm turning into like a billy goat or something. I don't know what's going on. I'm just kidding even to your old age and gray hairs. He said, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Come on, somebody thank him this morning. He carries us from birth to death. He sustains us through rising waters, church. He carries us when our knees are weak and feeble. He rescues us when we're in a state of emergency. This is the God that we serve. And like I said, what shocks me from time to time is when I hear the children of God, when I hear men of God, women of God, people of God be so impressed by the size of their problems. That blows my mind. I can't understand sometimes, you know, when people are, are so, you know, like, wrapped up in the things that they're going through, in the, in the situations that they're facing, and they're thinking that somehow their problem is bigger than their God. It's as if their physical problems have somehow grown to equality with God in their mind. What you give your attention to will magnify man, you put on the news 24-7 and that's all that you ingest and you, you don't ingest this, you don't ingest the word of God, then guess what? You're going to be living in fear 24-7. You're going to be living in fear 24-7. You're going to be worried about every little thing that happens. You're going to be worried about every little thing that, that goes on in the world. You're going to be in constant fear. But when this word of God is your hope, when this word of God is the word of life over you, when every promise, when every word that declares that you would be healed, that you would be saved, that your family would be saved, that you are a person that has an heir, you are an heir of the living God, when you read this church, and this is the truth, there is nothing, the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? But some people lose sight of this. It's as if their circumstance have somehow multiplied to epic proportions greater than or equal to the size of their God. And what happens when this occurs is not only a lack of faith, but it's also placing limitations on God that do not exist. Did you know oftentimes that our breakthrough begins when we refuse to be impressed with the size of our problems? I'll say that one more time. Did you know that your breakthrough begins when you refuse to be impressed with the size of your problem? The next time that you're facing a faith-challenging circumstance, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. Jesus himself said with man... man, you're going you're gonna to face some impossible situations. But with God, all things are possible. You can speak to a mountain and declare it to throw itself into the depths of the sea, and it will happen. It will happen, church. Psalm 34 and verse 22 says, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Psalm 55 and verse 18 says, He rescues me. Everybody say, He rescued me. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many opposed me. He rescues you unharmed, church. That means that there was an opposition that was great against you. That means that there were many enemies that that the devil himself have sent to attack your life and your body. But the Bible says that he rescues you unharmed. Psalm 91 and verse 14, because he loves me. Everybody say he loves me. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. I don't know whose report you have believed, but I'm gonna re- believe the report of the Lord, amen? I'm gonna believe the report of God over my life. I'm gonna re- believe the report of God over my city. I'm gonna believe the report of God over our families. I'm gonna believe the report of God over our communities, church. I'm gonna believe the report of God over our nation, church. This is what we must believe. I don't know what station you get your news from, but I'm going to believe the good news of the gospel. Amen. I don't know what station you've tuned into, but I'm going to tune into the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because He is a God that still rescues. Can somebody shout, Amen, today? This morning, my prayer is that our faith would be charged. And that we would be reminded of our authority in Christ. Amen. I got a few minutes left. I want us to go back to Psalm 107. Turn back there. Psalm 107 verse 4. Psalm 107 and 4 says, Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. These verses here are describing the Israelites and their wandering in the desert after their exile from Egypt. And in their moments of hunger and thirst, the Bible says that they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. So God is moving his people from this place where they were once held in bondage and he's moving them into a trust relationship with him. How many of you trust the Lord? You see, we go through seasons of growth where we learn how to trust God in new ways. There's times where God is growing you and he's spoken to your heart and he's spoken to your life and you may face a different situation but you are still going into a different situation with the same God. And so even though sometimes you're not sure of what the next obstacle may be or what the next circumstance you may face will be, you still know this, church, that the God that you serve has not changed. And so you can go into any situation with confidence in your life knowing God has not changed. And so for the, for the Israelites, they go into this new land, they're experiencing new things and they have new challenges and new enemies that they have to conquer. And the Bible says, church, that in their wandering, in their moments of hunger and thirst. How many of you know that God knows what you need? He knows when we get hungry. Some of you might be hungry right now. Say, hey, Pastor Duke, come on, man. Let's wrap this up. We'll get there. We'll get there. Jesus also said, man should not live by, by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let's tune in to the Lord just for a little bit longer. Can we do that? Amen. In their moments of hunger and thirst, they cried out to him in their trouble. Said, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. I need you, Lord. I need you, God, to, to deliver me. And the Bible says he delivered them. He delivered them from their distress. Did you know since our conception and birth, we've eaten? Ever since you were this tiny little fetus. You've been connected to a life source that would feed you. Without eating, you cannot live. But if anyone has ever gone hours or days without eating, and I pray that you've fasted this week, (laughs) some of you are like, man, I fasted like 10 minutes. I made it, I made it though, I made it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But if you've ever gone through a period of fasting, a time, uh, you know, hours or days, if anyone has ever gone hours or days without eating, it's a great battle to your flesh. It's an incredible battle to your flesh. Uh, You know, that scripture that I just quoted a a second ago was was about when Jesus was in that very same battle. He had been fasting for 40 days. And the Bible says that the enemy came to tempt him, and, and he came in that moment, he said, If you're the son of God, why don't you tell these stones to become bread? You know, the enemy will always cheap shot you. He'll always attack you in the area of your greatest weakness. And so if you've ever fasted for a period of time, it's a great battle to your flesh. I remember those Snickers commercials that used to show somebody all mad. You guys remember that commercial? It would show somebody all mad and angry, and they would always say, you know, you're not you when you're hungry. You remember that? Amen? And the solution in the, in the commercial was to hand somebody a Snickers. And they ate a Snickers, and they completely transformed it into a different person. Well, I read this uh, uh, the other day, a post that said, if you're fasting and cussing and fasting and fornicating and fasting and lying, you just need to eat. Some of you will download that later. God's people were in the midst of this desert wasteland and they cried out to God for their hunger and thirst and he delivered them. Psalm 107 and verse 7 goes on to say, He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Verse 9. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. He knows everything that you need. He knows everything that you're going to encounter. But when the people of God cry out to the Lord, he delivers them. Did you catch it? When the people of God cry out to the Lord, he delivers them. For some of you, you've been experiencing whatever it is that you have gone through in your life and in your flesh. But yet, because you have not cried out to God, you still remain in the season in which you are. And the Lord is looking for people, church, that would call upon him. He's looking for people that would fellowship with him. He's looking for people that would would not just simply yell when they need something, but they would yell because they need him. They would call out to him because they need him. We need him to deliver us from these bodies of flesh, church. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. Daily you have to crucify the flesh. Daily you have to come before the Father and say, Lord, mold me, change me, transform me, God. Mold me, Lord. But we have to cry out. We have to cry out to the Lord. When the people of God cry out, he will deliver you because God can do all things and nothing is impossible with God. But he will do no thing unless we pray. And he will do no thing unless you cry out. The Bible says, the heaven will not move unless two or three are gathered in his name. But when two or three are gathered in the name of the Lord, there he will be, church. He will be in their midst. The message that he gave his disciples he said this he said, The kingdom of God is at hand. God is here. I said, The kingdom of God is at hand. God is here, but is your attention on God or is your attention somewhere else? The kingdom of God is here. Matthew 18 and 18 says, truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, church. This is a covenant agreement that the Lord has made with you and I, with his people. But unless we pray, somebody say, unless I pray. Unless I cry out to the Lord, unless I bind, unless we loose the obstacle, the issue, the mountain, and the problem will remain. Matthew 21 and verse 22 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you have asked for in prayer. The prayer closet is, is a, has been an empty closet in recent history. I'll say it one more time. The prayer closet has been an unused closet in recent history. Anytime we see an advancement of the enemy, anytime that we see an advancement of the principalities of darkness, I believe it's because we're not doing our job. In every game, there's a offense and a defense there's an opposition and there's somebody that is trying to advance against you and in the kingdom of God it is no different a lot of people believe in God but they fail to believe that Satan is actually real and that Satan is actually a great deceiver the Bible calls him the father of lies the accuser of the brethren he exists And he's working diligently to lull the people of God into a deep sleep. To where in the greatest moment of Jesus, how many of you remember this? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that Jesus asked his disciples to do one thing, and that was to pray. In the greatest point of Jesus' need of his ministry, of his life, he asked them to do one thing. He said, pray. Pray. what does the bible say <sighs> they fell asleep their eyes were heavy they couldn't get themselves to that place where they would pray they couldn't get themselves to that place where they would offer up intercession for their lord and dare i say the church has been lulled to sleep and you're failing to offer up intercession to the lord You have stopped praying. You've stopped spending hours and moments and days and time in the prayer closet with the Lord. And because you failed to do so, the enemy is like a python. He will wrap himself around your life so much so to that every breath that you take, he just squeezes a little bit tighter. And then you take another breath and he squeezes a little bit tighter until you're eventually lifeless. We need to pray, church. We need to pray, church. We need to pray like we've never prayed before. Matthew 21 and 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. First John 5 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. How many of you believe in the name of the Son of God? He says, so that you know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. But have you prayed? Have you cried out to God about it? The Lord is waiting for our cry. He's waiting for you to pray. He has the answer. He has the solution. But the greatest form of pride is to simply ignore and not consult. The God of the universe. That is man's greatest form of pride. Who are we that he is mindful of us, that he would give us a seat at the table? But because he's given us a seat at the table, church, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to step into his presence. He looks at your health, your finances, your worries, your burdens, and he says to us, am I not enough? Am I not enough? Everybody say this. Say, he's more than able. Say it like you believe it. He's more than able. God is more than able, church. We have to believe that to our core. We have to believe that once again to our core. Psalm 107 and verse 10. Let's keep going. It says, some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. Prisoners suffering in iron change because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. Verse 12 says, so he subjected them to bitter labor and they stumbled and there was no one to help. Did you know that when you fall back into sin and you choose sin, it's like you're willingly putting the chains of bondage over your life again. It's like you're like, hey, shackle me up. Chain me up. Bind me up again. Paul said that the grace of God over his life, church, was not without effect. That means that the grace of the blood of Jesus that he knows he didn't deserve, but yet he received It had to have an effect on his life. It had to have an effect on his life where he transformed everything about himself to say, God, I am before you, Lord. I'm a sacrifice. God, pour me out, Lord, like an offering. The very things that God has set us free from, some of us, again, are clothing ourselves, not in God's glory, but in our grave clothes. This is what these verses are describing. It says they rebelled against God's commands and they despised his plans, church. That's arrogance and pride to think that we could somehow do better without God. You were nothing without him. I said you were nothing without him. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, you offered no value to this world. You offered nothing to God. The Bible says that our works were like filthy rags. We offered nothing to God. But just like those people who were lost in their bondage, God can still hear their cry even when their shackles have them weighed down, church. He can still hear your cry even if you've been living in sin and if the enemy has tricked your mind into somehow believing that it's okay to live that way. He can hear you cry. Oh, man, I remember a verse that saved my life. Let me me pull it up for you. I got to share this with you. Somebody, how many of you want good news this morning? Come on, somebody. I need good news. We need good news today. Trust me, I ain't shaming you, man. I'm preaching the word of God. Oh, I love this verse. Let me get there. Let me get there. Let me get there. My wife shared this verse with me before she was my wife. I think I was about 16 the first time this word ever came into my ear. And I had gotten saved at 15 years old, and I had received Christ in my life. And I didn't have, you know, kind of the best support system around me at the time. You know, other members of my family were not yet saved. And it's not easy. It's not easy to walk this, this life out of salvation when, when you know, you may, you may not have, you know, family members that are praying for you or, or people that are standing in the gap for you. And for me, it was very, very difficult at this time. I had been relocated from almost 2,000 miles away. You know, I, I was a Boise, Idaho kid that grew up over there and got brought all the way down to South Texas. I had no idea why I was here. I was like, I don't really think I fit in. There's not too many Dukes here, you know. And I had to start my freshman year at high school, and and there was a language barrier. You know, I I went to PSJ North. I didn't realize it was like PSJ Mexico, you know. (laughs) I was like, man, what what is going on? I thought I lived in Texas, you know. Isn't this part of the It's still part of the U.S., you know. I had teachers that were, you know, it wasn't Spanish class, you know, but every class was like Spanish class. It was tough. It was tough. But after I had accepted the Lord into my life and I had received Christ, the Bible says that just like that seed falls in soil, the enemy comes and tries to snatch it away. And he was trying so hard to just snatch the seed of the word of God out of my life. And I heard this verse in Isaiah 59 and verse 1. And I just needed it because I was, the enemy had me in this place where I was giving up hope and I was giving up my my grip on the Lord. And it said, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. And that was such a powerful, powerful reminder for me, church, Because I thought somehow like because I had messed up I had eternally failed God. Because I had fallen back into sin that somehow I had pained the heart of God and he was never going to forgive me because I went back to the ways that he had saved me from. But when I heard this verse that surely the arm of the Lord is not too short that he cannot save. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. And when I heard that I cried out to God like I had never cried out to God before because I needed his redemption. I needed one more time that he would look upon me and and he would bring grace into my life and mercy over my life for the many sins that I had committed. Church, his ear is not too dull to hear you right now. I said his ear is not too dull that he cannot hear. Psalm 107, verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Verse 14, he brought them out of darkness. It says, God brought you out of darkness this morning. It says, the utter darkness, and he broke away their chains. Verse 15 says, so let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. Oh, man, that's good news. That's good news, church. That is good news. That means there is hope for you. That means there's hope for me. That means there's hope for the world. That means there's hope for those that are still lost today. He cuts through bars of iron. I don't know who's listening to this today, but you could be completely shackled and tied down. But if you would just cry out to the Lord. If you would just cry out to the Lord, if you would simply raise your voice, He will come to the rescue of His children, like the good, good Father that He is, and He will send forth light to destroy the darkness, and He will cut through the iron that's foiled you down in your life. This is the God that we serve. I used to love that song that we would sing when, when I first started coming to church. Man, you know, I haven't played drums in like forever, and I thank God for Justin because he's so much better than me. But, man, when, when I used to, when I first got saved, I would play drums. I had no idea why I was a drummer. You know, that was like my, my, my first offering to God. And I remember we used to sing this song that said, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels, what is it? Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. And that's him, man. That is him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve, church. He will cut through the iron that is holding you down. He will cut through every shackle that is holding you down if you would just call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 107 and verse 17, let's keep going. It says, Some became fools through their rebellious ways, and they suffered affliction. Because of their iniquities. The wages of sin is death. Did you know that? Do I need to repeat that? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Sin longs to separate you from God because of your shame, and some of you are suffering from self inflicted shame. You know the word, you know the truth. But yet somehow you keep running back to that thing that brings nothing but shame and guilt over your life. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit, it's a horrible picture. But when we don't crucify our flesh and we don't put to death the things that God has saved us from, let's read it. Colossians 3 to 5, it says, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Those things, church, if we don't put those things to death, then guess what? We're going to still be held in bondage. You're still going to smell like the grave, even though you think you're free. Whew. He wants us free. Free. The book of John says that I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Unshackled, held down by nothing. You have a confidence in your walk because you're right before the Lord. He wants you free. And the Bible says that daily we have to put those things to death. See, Christ finished the ultimate work for you on the cross. He did the work. But there has to be a daily choice. See, somebody, some people don't like to believe this part. The Bible says that we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That every day we come back into the courts of the king of kings and we say, God, have mercy on me. God, forgive me, Lord. Establish me in you, Lord. Uproot anything in my life, God, that is not pleasing to you, God. Take everything out of my life, God, that is not pleasing to you, Lord. Make me and mold me in the image of your son, Jesus Christ, because I cannot do this on my own, Lord. As if running into sin wasn't enough, the Bible says that God's people in Psalm 107 verse 18 says, they loathed all the food and they drew near the gates of death. Let me just pause for a second. Some people are living on the fence. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about a lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is utterly disgusting to God. Did you know that? I know this is not like easy for some of us to hear, but lukewarmness is disgusting to God. He said, because you are neither hot nor cold. There's no in between. He's okay with you being hot and on fire for him. If you're cold, so be it. That's your choice. He said, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's a distaste that God has for us, church, when we think we're somehow okay with being mediocre in Christ. He deserves all of us. He deserves all that I have to give him. Some people know this about me. Some of you don't. But if any of you know me and know me, know me, you'll know that I will do anything for the Lord. I'll do anything. My heart is to serve him. So that you can hear the gospel. So that you can know he's real. So that you can know that you have the option and the choice to be free in him. But it says they loathed the food and they drew near the gates of death. That is they played the fence. They just kept getting closer and closer to the other side. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. See, there could be somebody in here right now that has been playing the fence. You've been playing church. You've been thinking that you're okay, but you know that you're really not. You know that you've been held down in bondage. Listen, just cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Everything is redeemable because of Jesus. Oh, man. That's a good word. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Verse 20, he sent out his word, and he healed them, and he rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of his works with songs of joy. Oh, man, that's a good word, church. Even though they were full of sin, they were complainers of what God had done for them. I know that nobody in the house of God's ever complained. I know that nobody in the house of God's ever been like, oh, God, you know. It's okay, admit it. We, we might as well admit it. We're laying it all out this morning. They were complainers of what God had done for them, but because they cried out to the Lord, he saved them. He sent out his word and he healed them and he rescued them from the grave. They had one foot in death. They had one foot in a six-foot hole about to lose their life, but he rescued them. (laughs) If you've ever gone back to your sin or complained towards God, but he still rescued you, the Bible says that we need to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. So if that's you, I want you to give him thanks just for a moment. Come on, come on, somebody. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. We give you honor, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, because even when we had one foot in the grave, Lord, you rescued us, God. You rescued me, Lord. Oh, man. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of his works with songs of joy. The Lord lifts off the heavy burdens when you come to him. He lifts off the heavy burdens. The Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's here right now. He's ready to rescue somebody right now. He's in this place right now. He wants to transform your life like nobody has ever transformed your life. He wants to completely free you right now. And there are people that are inside the church or outside the church. They may never understand your worship. They may never understand your praise. But guess what? Who cares? Because your sacrifice isn't to man. It's unto God. Amen? Your worship isn't unto man. It's unto God. I'm not here to please what you might think or the image that you might have of me. I'm here to please the Almighty God. Some of us care too much about what other people think. Oh, man. In the age of social media, I said some of us care way too much about what other people think about us. Guess what? They don't even care. Come on. That is a false sense of everything false that I could think of. They don't really care. But to know that the God of the heavens, the earth... The one who spoke this world into existence, the one who created the universe, loves you. To know that he loves you is everything. It is everything, church. It is paramount, it's above all things. Your worship is not to impress your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be that person in church. Come on, don't be that person. In, hey! Looking over your shoulder, you know, and trying to impress people. Listen, man, some people tell me, Pastor, you look mad when you're playing worship and stuff like that. You know, it's just my concentration face. You know, forgive me. You know, I, I, I can't do two things at the same time without, you know, I have to concentrate. Sometimes it's just my resting face. It doesn't look very good. But I'm here to give him the best that I have to offer him. I don't care what I look like. I've spent hours and hours upon the, 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 the face of this altar just pouring out my heart to God with boogers streaming down my face and tears rolling down my face. And it doesn't matter what I look like. I want us to strip off that pride. I want us to strip off that pride that says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's to my right. It doesn't matter who's to my left. I'm here to give God glory. I'm here to worship the name of Jesus. Oh man, your worship isn't to impress your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's to lavish the love of God upon the Lord, your rescuer, your redeemer, your deliverer, your sustainer, your waymaker, your healer, your refuge, your strong tower, your hiding place, your salvation, your friend, your counselor, your provider. He is God alone and when his people cry out to him, when his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray, the bondage of hell and the gates of hell and the bondage of Satan and the demonic principalities, they crumble and they shudder in fear at the sound of the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Would you call upon him today? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org slash give.